0: Well, good morning, church. We are in our final series of Cool Christianity where we've been looking at the Lordship of Christ. And and honestly, I think that uh, Cool Christianity has been the only thing that's been cool about this summer, right? (laughs) Can we wave the the white flag and say, we surrender enough is enough already? Uh, I'm ready for, for fall. But we're... Good news is, we're just now getting into the real hot part of summer, and so you won't need to break out any kind of coat or jacket for probably the next 10 days or so. (laughs) Well, today we're going to try to wrap up our our series, uh, The Lordship of Christ. And this is the time of year, if, if you're a football fan, you are really starting to get excited because the countdown has begun. 42 days from today, the first college football games will be played. Now, that won't involve either one of our state teams, but there will at least be some college football games on TV that the real fans can can get in and watch and get excited about. What is the difference between a fan and a follower? Well, you see, a fan watches and cheers when it's convenient, when their team's doing well. When things are going well and they're on a winning streak, a follower knows everything about the team. They can tell you the roster. They can tell you the stats. They can tell you who the coaching staff is. They can tell you who the recruits are coming in. You see, where a fan is a casual admirer, a follower is someone who's all in. They're sold out, totally committed. A fan jumps on and off the bandwagon, You know, I've been a Kansas City Royal fan for really most of my whole life, growing up in Missouri. And I got to tell you, we went through a lot of really, really tough years, like about 35 years when we were just flat terrible. But I still rooted for them. I still went to their games. I still tried to follow them, keep up. We had two years that was pretty good where they went to the World Series and Now we're bad again, but I still keep up with that team. A fan sits in the bleachers and they critique, they criticize, but a follower looks for ways to be involved or to help out. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a fan or are you a follower? So, and and even how do you know for sure what you are? When we baptize people here we give this book called not a fan in fact that's what our baptismal church used to say not a fan not to confuse people like not a fan what what do you mean it's to get somebody to ask what are you not a fan of i'm not a fan of jesus but i'm a follower of jesus i'm a sold out on fire totally committed all-in follower of jesus christ Well, I want to look at some of the examples of the first followers of Jesus and see what we can learn from them. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Let's begin with verse 35. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him saying this, they follow jesus and turning around jesus asked them following what do you want they said rabbi which means teacher where are you staying come he replied and you will see so they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him it was about four in the afternoon andrew simon peter's brother was one of the two who heard what jesus had said And had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. These gentlemen were fishermen. Now, a lot of you know I like to fish. I like to fish and if it's a good week if I get to go fishing, it's a great week if I get to go fishing twice. Now that rarely happens. I don't get to fish near as much as I want to fish, but I really, really like to fish. One of my favorite TV shows for a long time was the deadliest catch, okay And I watched that show faithfully. If I was gone, I recorded it. I love that show. I think Jesus would have loved that show too because four of the 12 first followers of Jesus were professional fishermen. That's a third of the group of his disciples were fishermen. And I think he saw some qualities in those men that he really wanted as his followers. Now, when you watch... The deadliest catch you saw that these men had an incredible work ethic they would work day and night they would work in some harsh elements sometimes it was freezing temperatures sometimes it was very rough seas they were willing to put in the work they also were willing to go to where the fish were they were problem solvers. You know, a lot of times the equipment, the machinery would break down and you can't just, when you're out in the middle of the ocean, just pull up to the marina and say, hey, you know, I've got a, got a problem here. They fixed this stuff on the fly. They were problem solvers. Jesus saw that these guys were commercial fishermen. They were fearless and he decided that he was gonna make them followers of, of him couple of principles I want us to look at today, really just two that I want us to learn is first is a follower finds something that he believes in. Follower finds something that they believe in, something that they're passionate about. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do with your time. That's the one thing that all of us have is the same amount of time. And what you choose to do with your time reflects what's really important with you. Oh, I can serve on this committee, be involved in this group, this club, this whatever. But the things that we're passionate about are the things that we're really going to spend our our time in. We don't have time to, to do everything that somebody invites us to do, do we? You have to pick and choose what you believe in the most. And if you don't believe in something, you're probably not going to be very passionate about it. If you don't believe in the product you're selling, you're probably not going to be a very good salesman. Somebody asks you, well, well, how's this product work for you? Well, personally, I don't use it, but I really want you to buy it. (laughs) Not a very good salesman, not a very good product. If you don't believe in the values of the civic club or the group that you're involved in, you're probably not going to be very committed to it. But you look here in verse 37 and 39, these men found something that they believed in very strongly. They said, we have found the Messiah, something that they were looking for. We have found Jesus. And then they had to leave something, though, that they loved. Let's look in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. You see, when these men met Jesus, they left something that they loved, something that they knew for something that they were going to love even more. These guys were professional fishermen. They loved to fish. That's how they provided for their family. That was their livelihood. And really, that was probably the only really skill that these guys knew was fishing. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Come and follow me and I'm going to do what? I'm going to make you fishers of men. You look at Mark chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Again, we see that same account. James and John were mending their nets and Jesus called to them and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus you may be asked to leave something behind. For these men, it was their nets. That was their livelihood. That was their profession. That's how they took care of their family. They also had to learn a new skill. Not only did they leave their nets, but they were gonna have to learn a brand new skill. Jesus said, Come, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, do you think they really understood what that meant? They knew how to catch fish. They knew where to go. They knew how to throw the nets. They knew all that. But Jesus said, Come, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. What exactly does that mean? How do you catch? How do you hook them? What do you do with them once you catch them? They were going to have to learn something that they really had no idea how to do it. You know, that's something I hear from Christians all the time. You know, I don't know how to win someone to Christ. I I just wouldn't know what to say. I don't know how how to go about this. Jesus said, come and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And it was a skill that he was going to teach us. I want to tell you something. God is not going to call you to do something that he doesn't enable you and to teach you and give you the skills in order to do it he's not going to ask you to do something and then not give you what's necessary to complete the task they're also going to have to learn to use some different type of bait now those of us that are fishermen we know that there's different types of bait Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 said, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So when God saves a person, he takes that knife and he cuts the sin out of their life. Now, what's that have to do with fishing? Okay. If you go into a fishing store, bait store, if you go into academy here, you're going to see four or five, six rows of different types of baits. You've got the the, the rubber worms and the plastic baits. And then you've got the hard baits. You've got top water. You've got deep divers. You've got them in between. If you want to go catch catfish, often people use stink bait. If you don't know what that is, it's a lot like a baby's dirty diaper. It stinks really bad. If you don't know what that is, just go into one of those stores and just open that up and take a good whiff of it, and you're going to understand why they call it stink bait. Catfish love it, other fish not so much. They were going to have to learn to use a different type of bait. And the type of bait that they were going to have to learn to use was the Word of God. So if you're going to be a true follower, we have to learn to use different types of bait. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, I have become all things to all people so that I may save some of them in any way possible. But guess what? The message right here never changes. Now the methods do. How many of you grew up in a church that maybe had a piano in a, on one side and an organ on the other? Let me see your hands. Okay, a lot of you. Now, if you will look at our stage, you'll notice that while we don't have an organ, we do have a piano, but it's more the electronic version. But it can kind of sound like an organ if you want it to. Organs have kind of gone away. In fact, I don't know anyone today that is taking organ lessons, you know, to learn to play the organ. I think it's just gonna be a forgotten skill before long. Years ago, we didn't have drums. We didn't have some of this stuff. I don't even know what it is. Guitars and bass guitars and all these other things that are up here. We didn't have any of those things, but guess what? We're using a different type of bait, but the message is still the same. A lot of times people get very critical of different churches. Um... I talked to a a guy this week that attends Cowboy Church and I've heard people become very critical of Cowboy Church. Well, they don't have Sunday school and they don't have small groups and they don't have Wednesday night or or Sunday night or they don't have children's church and you're right. They don't have those things. But guess what? There's a lot of people that get saved at Cowboy Church. I hear people get critical of Life Church. Well, who wants to go to a church and watch the preacher that's not even there live? You're watching him on the screen. You know, and, and they make salvation so easy there and if you're really saved there, you're really I wanna tell you something. If you're saved at Life Church, you're every bit as saved as you are at Oakwood Christian Church, amen. We may use a different bait than they do. That's why Paul has said, I have done become all things for all people so that I might save some of them. Followers seek others to join them. That's really the last principle in this Lordship of Christ that I want us to learn. A follower seeks others to join them. That means that you become an influencer, a multiplier. Look at verse 41. He said, the first thing he did is he went and found Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Now, when you find something that's life-changing, you can't keep it to yourself. If any of you had discovered a cure for some dreaded disease, there's no way you could keep it to yourself. You would be out telling anybody, people that didn't even want to listen, you'd be telling them. You can't keep it to yourself. You ever been around a young lady that gets engaged and gets the ring on her finger you know the first thing you do is you you post it on facebook right it's not official till it goes on facebook okay but then that's not good enough she's going to make sure that everybody sees this ring and if you don't comment on it she's going to become even more obvious about it oh pass me that over there would you please Could I have, you know, they're going to make sure you see the ring because they want everyone to know she's now engaged. As Christians, we have the best news to tell anyone. And what we have to share is life changing. It not only changes their life here and today in this earth, but also it changes their life for all of eternity. So we have to speak up. We have to tell others. If someone that we know and love is facing danger, we're going to tell them. We're going to warn them. That's why Psalm 107, 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Romans 1, 16 says, I am not ashamed Of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. You see, we need to speak up and we need to speak out. And we need to learn to be persuasive. Now, if this building caught fire this morning, I'm probably not just going to say, Hey, listen, it's been reported that there's some flames in the building and it's going to spread throughout the building. And so we just need to... First, just stay calm, but just decide to, hey, at your convenience, if you want to shake a few hands or hug a few necks on your way out, go ahead and do that. But then, then when it's convenient, go ahead and leave the building. Or we've had a bomb threat. Somebody calls in a bomb threat. We're going to tell you, hopefully as calmly as we can, hey, you need to get out of the building now. Not in, in a couple of minutes. We need you to go now. If you have something exciting to share, you want to share it right now. How many of you have seen something outside, maybe some wildlife or a bird, or maybe something's going on and you call, hey, come here, I need, you know, call somebody in your family. I do this to Leah all the time. Hey, come here, I need you to come here. Okay, I, you know, let me stop and get a cup of coffee. No, 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 I need you to come now. Oh, too late, you've missed it. Okay, we need to become that persuasive. Time is limited. We need to do this now. We're not promised tomorrow. We need to make it personal. A follower tells others why being a follower has changed your life and made it better. Do you know who makes the best salesman? Somebody who has a product that they've used that it's impacted their life and maybe it's completely changed their life in such a great way they want others to use this product as well maybe it's a nutrition product maybe it's a some exercise program maybe it's whatever it's changed your life for the better you become the best salesman for that product because you can say this is what it's done for me and i hope that you'll let it do that for you You'll be a great salesman. That's why we're the best salesman for Jesus Christ. We uh, have people tell us, you know, Alan, I could never tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, why not? Well, I just, I don't know what to say. I want to tell you the very best thing that you can do to share your faith is simply tell others what Jesus has done for your life how he's changed your life what he's done for you how he's changed he saved your soul he's promised you a place in eternity and I hope you get to get a chance to share with that to, that news to somebody that's the easiest thing in the world to do is to share your faith just by sharing what Jesus has done for you Now, if he hasn't changed your life in such a dramatic way, then you need to answer this question on the lordship of Christ. And am I a fan or a follower? I can tell you when you meet Jesus, your life is going to never be the same. And our duty is just simply to share what Jesus has done for us. It's not your responsibility whether they accept or not. Jesus will take care of that. A lot of times we think it's up to us. No. You share. Jesus will bring the results. If you look in the the account of Mark uh, chapter 1, and we're going to wrap up this series with this scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. When they had gone a little further, he saw James' son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and he left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and he followed them. I have something I just want to show you. It's a little object lesson this morning. I've got a net here. Now, this is a cast net that you... If you know how to throw this thing, you some catch some fish in there, some bait and stuff. And um, This is my, my net, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm not very good at it. I've watched some instructional videos and everything, but if, if you do this right and you throw this thing out, it makes a nice, perfect circle, and, and it catches the fish in here. This net was all those guys knew. That was the equipment, that was the tools that they knew how to, how to use. They were cleaning their nets that day, preparing them. Maybe they got snagged and had to mend a hole. Maybe they're just getting the seaweed, the moss and stuff out, whatever they, they were having to do. But when they met Jesus, He said, I want you to come follow me. Now we're not told in the gospel accounts, but I wonder if they looked at these nets and said, you know, this is what I use to feed my family. This is all I know. My dad's over here, he's getting elderly. He's the one that taught me to use this thing. I don't know how I'm gonna feed my family, but I guess I'm gonna follow Jesus. And the scripture said they immediately dropped their net and they followed Jesus. They left it. Jesus didn't promise, hey, I'm going to take care of all your financial needs. Your family is going to be cared for. He just said, leave that behind. Come follow me. Several years ago at the North American Christian Convention, we walked into the opening ceremony. Or not ceremony, the opening session. And in every seat was a little piece of net. No explanation, just a piece of net. Okay, so we figured since everybody had one, they're going to do something with it. But they recounted this same story. And they said, you know, that little piece of net represents something in your life that you're hanging on to. Something that is standing in the way between you and being a sold out, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. For every one of us that net is going to represent something different it might be a relationship it might be a job it might be a hobby or a passion it might be a civic club that you're involved in it might be whatever but it is more important to you than jesus in just a few moments we're going to take communion and the thing that I want you to think about is what's the net in your life today? What are you holding on to so tightly that's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? Is it a sin? Is it a habit? Is it something else that maybe is a great thing, but it still has crowded God out? Am I going to hang on to the net or am I going to be like those disciples and say, I don't know how I'm going to support my family. I, I don't know how to go about this whole catching of fishing for men, but I'm all in and they left and they didn't come back. What's the net in your life? what is it that keeps you from being a fully devoted sold out follower of jesus christ we're going to take communion today and if you didn't get one of our communion packs as you walked in just hold up your hand and we'll we'll get you one of those i hope those of you are watching online today have made these preparations but during these moments i want to want you to just ask yourself, what is the net in my life? What is keeping me from being all that Jesus wants me to be?